October 6th, 32 days to F3. You're all going to come down here to Chattanooga, a little more than a month. Next month, November, go to live.freightwaves.com to get your tickets. I want to see you all there because it's going to be a big event. Not only do I have What the Trucks, I'm going to be on the stage too with uh, Craig Fuller and Alex Mai, the Asian Mai guy. We're going to have a great set. It's going to be cool. What's up, Leatherface? By the way, thank you, Kerry Danucci, Armstrong Transport for this uh, wonderful Leatherface here. But you think he's scary? I got something even worse to show you this morning. Take a look at this chart. This is from the uh, great Thomas Wasson of Loaded and Rolling fame. He said, massive plunge in outbound tender volumes nationwide as the UAW strike intensifies. Appears some of the strong September volume is automotive front loading in a run up to the strike. OTVI is down. 1,421.85 points, or 12.5% from September 26th. Rough. Look at that big cliff. It's falling down right now. We were hoping volumes would be up a little bit. We are hoping things to keep things flowing. But that strike action, by the way, UAW hasn't announced more strike action today, but we assume that they will because talks haven't really progressed where they wanted them to. Leatherface, you can, you can calm down now. Thank you, sir. Because they haven't progressed where they wanted them to. Um, Bill Packets, he said, whatever is happening in the freight markets right now is alarming. To say volume is dropping off a cliff does not adequately convey what's occur- occurring. Very concerning. Hopefully next week we see an uptake. This is reminding me of COVID shutdowns. He's seen some really bad stuff on the ground. He said, I don't deal with any automotive shipments, but load count this week is soft to say the least. Probably running about 50 to 60% normal load count this week relative to the past couple months. And we're talking about and a market that was already incredibly soft. We're talking about a wet paper bag market. But maybe there's a reason for this. Take a look at this tweet from Stock Market News. They're kind of implying, or Walmart's implying, that Ozempic is eating your freight volumes, that weight loss drugs, people on weight loss drugs, are what are causing this drop in Walmart sales or freight volumes. Here's what the tweet says. It says, Walmart just said it's already seeing an impact on shopping demand from people taking appetite-suppressant medications like Ozempic and Wegovy, that's via Bloomberg, and Walmart said, we definitely see a slight change compared to total population. We do see a slight pullback in overall basket. What do you think, guys? You think it's uh, Doritos going from $2.99 to $6.99 in a year? Or do you think it's $900 a month weight loss drugs that are in limited availability that are causing people to be in this situation? I go shopping in my family, and I'm going to say that it's probably the price of the Doritos because I know when I'm making decisions out there, I'm not making the same ones. When you talk about shrink, talk about shrinkflation. You bought a cereal box for your kids lately? Last one I got was like Count Chocula. It was two for nine bucks, and I think it was like nine ounces a box of Count Chocula. That's like two bowls of cereal, Kellogg's. What are you doing to us? Disruptor, he does not agree with this narrative either. He said, we're now at the stage in the cycle where retailers are blaming Ozempic impact for any downtick in sales, totally unable to isolate the impact or disprove their claims. They also say GP1s like Ozempic and WeGovi are being used as a scapegoat for many industries. Don't believe the narrative. Take a look at this chart right here. He said, here are year-over-year volume changes of various food categories. As you can see, they are normally down across the board. This is not due to appetite suppressant from a small subset of our population. 
However, these articles too, what's really interesting is they're saying that by 2030, 2035, these drugs, these weight loss drugs, Ozempic will be so prevalent, they'll take a 30% cut in the nation's calories, 30% less. You're going to be buying 30% less food, which could impact freight. Interesting to think about. However, I got something for you guys to think about. You remember like Olestra, Olean, remember that? It was like the potato chips, fat-free, except it would give you leaky bowels. Or you remember Fenfen. Fenfen was a drug that was supposed to help people the most obese in society. And what happened is pharma got greedy. They started prescribing this stuff to everybody. And it got banned. And it got banned for off-label use. I think that's what happens with Ozempic and with, the, with these newer drugs over here. I think that they, uh, they fall into a lot of risk categories here for over-prescription. I think your freight will probably be fine, but who knows? I don't know. Thomas Watson put that tweet out there. I'm talking to him more about it on Monday. Shout out to some of you listeners, by the way, for September. These were our top 10 cities for the month. Atlanta, Georgia, you guys are number one over in Braves country. You know it. Charlotte, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Pearland, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, New York, New York, Waxhaw, North Carolina, which is uh, very close to Charlotte, I believe. Pearland, by the way, is very close to Houston. Miami, Florida, we got Chattanooga, Tennessee right here, hometown. And Kansas City, Missouri, if you break down to a state level, it's California, Illinois, Tennessee, Ohio, Georgia, Missouri, Texas, Washington, Michigan, and Florida. Thank you all so much. Now, this week, a lot has happened. There's been the big news about TQL. Uh, they lost a big court case. This could mean a lot for brokers. Armchair attorney, he'll be here on Monday. We're going to break that down. We're not getting into that one today. But the other big topic that was causing trouble this week was gong. Should brokerage have gong? Should they be banned from there? So I had the people who are at the epicenter of it, Steve Cox from Steam Logistics, walk across the street with their gong and do this. Roll the tape. There's lay down. Alright. Just grab under the uh, <laughs> the arm there and run the shoulder. Alright, I'm getting lifted up. Big guy, baby. I am. <laughs> Alright. Oh yeah, that sounds good. One more. Oh yeah, one more. Yeah, beautiful. Alright. <laughs> That was awesome. How'd that feel? That was a good time. That, that felt great. I felt like I just sold a big account. I just felt like I booked 400 you lanes. You might have just now with the gong. I got to go in studio, in your own studio one time and do this. Uh, you're in. You're right across the street. Well, Steve, thank you so much thank for you. stopping by. Thank thank you. I think gongs are fine. I am now officially 100% pro-gong. Thank you very much. You win the debate. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. So some people asked if I was okay, if I was injured. I was completely fine. I was confined afterwards. I was fine the next day. No uh, soreness, no ill will. In fact, two weeks ago, I hurt myself more stepping out of my minivan. I pulled my back. Uh, one of the reasons we do it, though, why do I say gongs are cool and they're pro? Because, look, it's a tough freight market. We started this off talking about volumes being completely crappy. It's hard to get a load book these days. It's hard to get a sales. And John Scott said, I rang our bell three times in the past week. It feels good, especially since it's been a struggle these past six months to get new shipments, um, shipping truckloads. So, hey, God bless you guys. Go ring your gongs. Keep the heads ringing. Anyways, on today's episode, we got a bunch of great guests. Uber Freight and Wabi are teaming up on autonomous loads with a new 10-year deal. Wabi's Dustin Keel is going to talk about drivers as a service robotics and how they'll factor into digital brokerage services. We're also talking about the, schedule, the Scheduling Standards Consortium. They've announced the achievement of a landmark milestone. It's the publication of its technical standard for developing scheduling APIs for trans, 
Transportation Management Systems. That's TMSs for those of you in the know. Well, now it's live, and Raj Subda at Uber Freight and Shurg Modi at Blue Yonder. They're getting us up to speed on how that works. Uh, booking per load insurance has historically been time-consuming and frustrating. Not anymore. Uh, when we get to our next guest, Ryan's partners will tell us all about what they're doing with the cloud. We got a great guest that's not been on here before, Josh Gonzalez. He co-founded um, a freight market. I mean, he co-founded a freight company. <laughs> Dude, the market. I can't blame that on him. He co-founded a freight company in one of the worst markets in history. We're going to find out how it's working out for him and why he would leave Amazon of all places to go and do that. We got a ton of other stuff. Let's tip the band and we'll get to our first guest. Looking for a new adventure? Take the next step of your career journey with AIT Worldwide Logistics. When you join their growing team, you'll collaborate with expert colleagues around the world to create innovative solutions backed by world-class customer service. If you're ready to push the supply chain envelope, your next adventure is waiting. Visit the career section over at AITWorldwide.com and apply today. Start 2024 with a brand new job. But we're going to start this episode with a... Well, not a new guest, but a returning guest. It's Mark Vickers, Executive Vice President and Head of International Logistics over at Reliance Partners. And I like, I like the background you got today. Thanks, Mr. Duder. Thanks for having me. Been listening to the show um, all, all morning. It's been going great. Um, you mentioned that, you know, it's a tough freight market right now. And yeah. I, I definitely want to talk about that uh, a little bit today in today's discussion. Cool. Well, before we get to the freight market, you guys have a great announcement. I saw the article on FreightWaves.com, um, and it's going to help with the headaches in buying cargo insurance. But it probably would be helpful to start at the problem before we get to the solution. What is the problem? What is the issue with booking uh, the type of cargo insurance that you're doing here and that you're solving here? Sure. I, I guess the best way to kind of talk through this is really by giving you a case study or a testimonial. Sure. And, you know, I was I was in freight brokerage myself for about eight years, and I always wanted to go after that uh, high value freight or shipments that were moving from like Chicago to Calgary or B.C. or Alaska, because I knew I was going to make some significant margin on that. I was looking at freight that was moving into Mexico. I was looking at freight that was valued over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And, you know, a lot of the times I wasn't able to win that freight because I wasn't able to get um, increased cargo insurance at at the right time. So what, what what I really needed and what I learned was we needed all risk, shippers interest, cargo insurance from the moment of pickup until final delivery. They needed to include the border crossing process. It needed to include any transloading. And then sometimes on these heavy loads, um, we'd have to transload them. We'd have to move them from truck to truck. So that transloading process need, needed to be included in this as well. So the, the problem that we were really looking to solve was freight brokers want to move high value freight in a tough market because there's more margin there. And you, you can't just get um, any Joe Schmo off the street to move a shipment that's valued at a million dollars. So freight brokers want to go after pharmaceutical freight. They want to go after electronic freight. They want to do avocados out of Mexico. They, they want to move um, something in Nova Scotia. You're not just going to be able to get that off of your standard policy. So your standard cargo insurance policy is probably going to have contingent or cargo um, coverage up to about a hundred thousand or two hundred and fifty thousand, um, but to go any but to go beyond that is usually pretty pricey if you want to increase your whole limit beyond two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So what you can do with shippers' interest all risk cargo insurance is is buy it on a per load basis. Now to buy 
to buy something on a per load basis as a broker, I would have to call my risk management team, who then have to call our insurance agent, who then probably would have to call somebody else because they wouldn't know what they were doing. So by the time that I got that all risk coverage for that, for the full value of that shipment, whether it's moving into Mexico, whether it's moving into Canada, whether it's an international shipment, whether it's a high value domestic shipment or LTL, LTL shipment, whatever it is, um, I, I had to jump through a lot of hoops and I had to go through a lot of different um, insurance uh, programs to get that type of coverage. So as a freight broker, you need to move fast. And if, if something's slowing you down, like in insurance, man, you're going to miss the opportunity to, to move that load. So we had to find a way to expedite this whole process. And we did it. So we, we teamed up with a, a group called Loadsure, um, who we've, we have found to be um, probably the best um, tech platform when it comes to distributing shippers' interest. And what we've done is um, they've, they've got a beautiful API that, that's written that can connect directly to uh, a TMS. And why that's important is, you know, when, when a risk management team is looking to get that high value cargo insurance, you're going to have to jump off your TMS, go into a separate portal uh, or, or make several phone calls to get that um, to get that quote and then pass that on to your broker. So what what Loadsure has is, a, is an automated um, portal where you can go in, get that get your coverage automatically. And then we took it a step further so we can automate. So you can go directly in your TMS now, really regardless of what TMS it is. And so when you're booking a load, you plug in the, the pickup address, the delivery address, the, the commodity, the load values, like the, the dates. And then what we're doing with, with through our API is we're automatically ingesting that data and automatically uh, presenting a quote for that cargo insurance that you need on that specific load. Yeah. And you can bind coverage automatically as well. So you, you get the quote because we know brokers are not going to win that singular freight on every, every single time, but you can quote automatically and then you can bind the coverage automatically. So an individual certificate of insurance will be sent to you through email and saved within the ICAP of your... Oh, I'm wearing shorts. Oh, and good time for a break. I got a, I got a question. I got a, I got a question for you. So why, why partner with McLeod on this? You know, we've always, I've always felt that McLeod is is one of the top, if not the top, TMS specifically created for freight brokerages. If you're using their power broker solution, and then it's heck, it's an awesome tool or, or an excellent TMS if you're an asset based motor carrier as well using their Loadmaster product. And uh, our API speaks to both of those in in, in all versions. So if, if you're on McLeod now, or if you're thinking about using McLeod, we're, we're fully integrated with them. And it, they're, they're just a fantastic partner and have a good percentage of the market share when it comes to freight broker and asset-based motor carrier and 3CL sure. Yeah, well, so how do I, you know, I, my, I, my last question on this is how do I avoid price, price fluctuations when you're talking about sort of this instant quoting? Can I, can I lock into this at all? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. So um, right, right off the bat, you're going to be able to get access to a dynamic rating system. 
So based off of your commodity and your value, you're going to have some some prices for those specific groups. But if if you're if you're working with the same client all the time and they're get, and you're you're locked in on say Chicago to Laredo, Texas, and you're moving that shipment forty times uh, a month, or if you're moving the same commodity all the time, you've really you, you can't have price fluctuations. So that that's that's where Reliance Partners come in comes in is we're not just we can turn you on to the dynamic uh, pricing solution within McLeod. But we, we really like to take it a step further. We want to learn your commodities. We want to learn your value bands. Uh, we want to learn the geographies that you're shipping at. So based off of, of those items, we're then going to provide uh, the freight broker or the asset-based motor carrier or even a shipper um, a, a tailored policy that will lock in a specific rate for each commodity type or for each client. So that this is awesome when you're moving that static business, yeah. so you're not subject to that, that those pricing fluctuations. And then once we have that in place, um, if, if you have one specific client, for example, if you're moving uh, 200 shipments a, a week for Tesla, and and that freight is it, it's the same commodity, it's the same value, similar lanes all the time, we're going to even give a customer like that even more preferential terms, so perhaps a lower deductible or or perhaps a, a lower rate, and then we're going to endorse that onto your policy. Makes so this this is a great way yeah. to um, it, it it's an excellent supplement to um, any, any freight broker or any asset based motor carrier uh, risk management program. Yeah. And one other thing that that we've noticed is we're running short on uh, time. We're running a little short on time, Mark. You've gotten so deep on this where you you've you've eaten up all the time. <laughs> I give you I give you t- two more things. So within McLeod, we've got the magic button. You can click okay. cargo insurance. You, you get you get the automated rates, and this ends up really being the the perfect glue between the freight broker or the freight agents, the salesperson, and the risk management team. So this forces risk management and sales to work together, and usually those groups are button heads. That's so the. That this program forces them to work together. It's better risk management. You can pass this cost on to your shipper, and um, it, it's a great way to access high value freight. Very cool. Thank you so much, Mark. Go check out Reliance Partners and go check out our FreightWaves.com about this new solution to get your loads covered. Take care, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mr. Dooner. Take it easy. All right. So, Wednesday, everybody, it was 10 4 day. So, here's what the Sacramento History Museum had to do for it. Volume. We, we need volume. Now, if you talk to some truckers, and I've had occasion to, if there's something you're doing right now, and whatever you're doing it with, if it didn't grow right outside your back door, you probably have a trucker to thank for getting that to you. About. And the truck driver is trying to get into a lane of traffic or something. Give him a break. But the next time you're really close to one, just tell them thank you for what you do.
Excellent. I love that. That's, that's how like the meme lords used to do it back, uh, you know, like 100 years ago before there was Canva and Photoshop to make your funny images. Joshua Gonzalez, co-founder at TJG Logistics. What's up, Josh? What's up, dude? Dude, I'm so stoked to be on here, man. I like it. Are I you standing? It, Are you? You're like, you're, you're like, I like the energy. That's how I am, man. I'm just, I got a lot of energy, dude. You know, it's just how I roll. Yeah, I am standing. Man, no I was doing, I was doing some research on you. You're, you're an Amazonian. You're a, you're like a seven year Amazon guy. Uh, seven, some, seven, some, yeah, seven plus years. Built a lot of great relationships. Uh, was under Dave Clark. Um, Started as a freight broker. Uh, Bezos had this dream of getting rid of brokers at Amazon, man. And um, I grew in the company, learned a lot, built a lot of great relationships. And I was in a weird position, man. I awarded billion dollars of freight, built um, uh, their carrier base from like a, a few couple of thousands to uh, over a hundred, you know, plus thousand. And uh, built a lot of strong carrier relationships during that time. Like, they're my second family. Carries are, like, literally my second family. Um, and at Amazon, you know, we were a shipper. We, we you know, we were just conglomerate, right? Uh, we have AWS and all these tech resources, right? And we were still using scrappy solutions, you know, brokered out loads. And, um, yeah, man, and the, uh, I, 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 I worked with a lot of vendors at Amazon, built a lot of great relationships there. At the tail end of my career, so I heard you say, you know, why did I start a freight brokerage during the, uh, it was by accident, by the way, uh, during the worst freight market right now, right? Um, and, uh, well, one of the worst, um, that's, uh, it was by accident, and I'll explain. Like, so, at Amazon... Um, well, hold on, before uh, we get there, I have a question about Amazon, because I have yep, some yep, yep. information, there's been a lot of top storylines this week, and another one was about Nelly playing at Flexport, and it turns out, I yeah. heard, that it was Dave Clark who's the one who booked Nelly for that. Did he play a lot of Nelly when you were at Amazon? Uh, I wouldn't know, because you know what's the crazy thing is, we, you know, Amazon, a lot of button-up folks, right, and we would yeah. play loud hip-hop music, rock music, right, we're a brokerage, right? We didn't have a gong, which I'm really bummed out about. I wish I could just bang some people's heads there. Um, but uh, what's oddly enough, you know, we, we were shut down. You know, a lot of my freight folks in Amazon are watching right now. Um, and we were shut down, Dooner, because we were too cool, man. You would think it's Amazon. But uh, we're still, we were still the cool guys there. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't know because Dave, you know, Dave didn't. It wasn't part of his policy, I guess. So, so why, did you, why did you decide to go off on your own and start TJG Logistics? Yeah, so um, a partner of mine, a few partners of mine and I, um, a, a lot of carriers are reaching out saying, hey, Josh, um, the freight market is down, right? No secret. Like, Josh, we need your help. And I was tired of giving free advice, dude. Um, and uh, something didn't work out with Amazon. I couldn't relocate. Um, I didn't leave because I wanted to leave. But I thought, hey, it's a good break for me. I made a lot of money there, man. It was a blessing, dude. Um, and there's a lot of freight startups Um I feel like I started in 2016 on Amazon. Um, we came out of a, a rough uh, freight market then. And I feel like uh, all the innovative companies start doing a bad market. And I had some money uh, from the market, from Amazon's equity. They pay me pretty well. And I had some money from my real estate, sold a lot of properties. Started investing in some freight startups, supporting those. I can't discuss those because they're not uh, uh, official yet. Um, but um, some Series A round funding. And then... Um, Dude, uh, a lot of shippers and carriers are reaching out for help. They're like, "Hey, I need, I need to, I need help to be a to have to for you can help my operation be efficient." Because uh, I feel strongly, I have so many truck drivers' phone numbers in my phone, dude, tens of thousands. And 
Because, you know, folks at, at M, you know, these truck drivers, you know how it is. Doing it. I used to own a trucking company, uh, a, a moving service, White Glove Antique Moving Service. And so I'm, I'm a blue collar guy and I, I made info digestible. I was, I was the middleman pretty much for, for Amazon leadership and, and truck drivers, right? And I love talking to truck drivers. And so a lot of these carriers reaching out, shippers, large vendors that, you know, vendors for Amazon reaching out, Josh, you know, we know how you operate. Uh, we want to get connected with carriers. And I realized we had an aha moment that, you know, we can bridge the gap of shippers want to build relation, real relationships, you know, pick up the phone, pick up an email. They loved how I had, you know, a truck driver's cell phone and say, hey, man, can you do this load uh, or carrier? And they had that trust with me. And, you know, shippers are saying, hey, we want that, Josh, and teach us how to do that. So I started a company. It was a consulting firm. Um, my, 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 my partner in our, Tariq Muhammad, um, he was ex-Uber Freight, built Uber Freight there, um, um, and DoorDash. And we were like, dude, let's, let's start. Let's, let's, let's help these shippers connect with asset-based carriers and asset-based carriers connect with, with shippers. And, and then uh, there were shippers saying, hey, dude, uh, we need some more freight move. I trust you, but I don't trust these carriers yet. Hmm. So I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, let me just open a brokerage. That's why we're here, man. Interesting. So there's a billion brokerages. Why why start a brokerage? You even tweeted, we started this company during the worst freight market in the past 20 years. We're either geniuses or idiots. Are you geniuses or are you idiots? <laughs> we're definitely idiots, Duna. Uh, so just so you know, um, we're, we're not we're not ne- looking to be the next Coyote uh, Uber Freight CH, man. Yeah. We're just a cottage brokerage working with uh, less than a thousand asset-based carriers that have tens of thousands of trucks and just an insane amount of capacity that perform really well and that um, just blue collar folks from, you know, from all around the world, you know, and um, I built strong relationships with them. I know their families and these folks want to move freight and, and these shippers want to move freight with us because they trust me and my buddy Tark and, 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 and the other freight agents that we have that are former, former Uber freight, Amazon. And um, these shippers like that they can pick up the phone and speak to a cottage brokerage, you know, um, and yeah, man, that's that. That's why. You know, I saw that you guys posted that there's a new regulation that said government requires truck drivers to be able to hear a forced whisper at five feet away. Have you been <laughs> whispering at any drivers who stop by, or how are you going to how are you going to test this out? Um, you know, I I I uh, the, I, I think that's going to be our EOD tracking, man. We're going to call it the truck whisper. They call me the carrier whisperer at Amazon because, like, um, so I, I like to whisper in carrier's ears as a creepy guy. You know, no, I'm joking. Uh, uh, no, no, man. But, uh, that's going to be my new tracking, man. It's going to be the whisper and I'm going to use smoke signals, man. You know, did so that I don't, I'm not, I'm not infringing on their rights. Did you settle the debate? Is it RFP or RFQ? You know, I think at the end of the day, it's RF money, man. RF money. Know. RF money. RFM. You putting out a lot of RFPs? You got? Do you have a lot of bids out there right now? What's, what are you seeing in the market? We started the show talking about the volume drop off, which is concerning. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the vo- um, yeah, you know, consumers aren't buying, um, and we saw that on Amazon. Man, uh, we had a lot of deep data insights, um, uh, really deep data insights. You know, Amazon's ecosystem is intense, right? You have the Fire TV system, Amazon Media. I'm not talking on. I'm not trying to be some schmuck on some tour right now. Talk on Amazon's behalf, but we had a lot of great data. I learned a lot at Amazon. It was it was a, a paid training, right? And so I had a different a different start. Um, as a freight broker, right? I had a lot of fast training, a lot of tech. Um, and I say this to say that, you know, with, with the, the consumers are not spending and it's rightfully so because of the market, you know, the interest rates and inflation, right? 
but 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 also um, but but the traditional uh, freight, right? Like uh, uh, consumer goods, and uh, um, it was interesting that you brought up about that uh, that that the, the Ozempic pill theory. Um, but um, the freight is there, so we work with large enterprise shippers. Um, being a cottage brokerage, my MC has only been around for two months, man. No joke, I kid you not. The consulting has been around for almost uh, uh, over nine months, but. Um, these enterprise shippers just want relationships with carriers and they're, they're using me, they're using TJG logistics to do it, man. Um, and I'm excited about it. I've been more active and vocal since leaving Amazon because I, Amazon has this strict tight contract and like, I, I feel like a prisoner there, dude. Um, um, but I love them. I love Amazon. I love everybody there. I love Dave Clark, love Bezos. Uh, but, um, uh, these shippers are trusting us, man, and 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 these carriers, and we're helping these carriers uh, 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 portray a professional image, uh, improve their operations, improve driver retention, and um, just helping the, helping the small guy, right? And for the medium size, to because um, I've been a, a carrier manager for many years at Amazon too for the mega carriers, sure. so I had insight into that, and I, I awarded billions of freight. And but uh, these shippers just want this; they want to make sure that the service levels are always there, you know, outside of weather controllables and whatever the market's going on in the market with labor, right? And the freight is still there. What's wrong with brokerages, and this is just my strong opinion, um, they, they forget about the small things and listening to the small things. And I learned this the hard way at Amazon. Listen more, talking less. I used to do a lot of talking, doing it. A, a whole ton of talking, you know? I, I was I can't working on the that. macro list. <laughs> That's what I love about you, Duna. <laughs> my man. Um, yeah, man. So, I, I, you know, and I started listening to the customer, dude, just this week. You know, I had some, uh, some, I almost lost $100,000 in business because I wasn't listening to my customer and I had a strong relationship with this, with this person. Um, and dude, that's, that's, yeah, man. And we're just a cottage brokerage. We're not looking to reinvent the wheel. Um, oh, but does. what's going to, but just keep following, man, because a lot of these freight startups that I invested in are going to be part of TJG, man. I think you're going to like it, dude. I bet they will. You'll build a whole new network. Now, the serious question before I let you go. So Popeye says overtaking KFC as the number two chicken chain in the USA. A lot of drivers have to get fast food when they're on the road. But I got to ask you, what's your number one chicken chain? Is it Chick-fil-A, Popeye's, KFC, or Bojangles? Man, it's going to be, man, I'm going to get murdered. Popeye's, man. What? All I'm right, Popeyes, well, dude. It's number two in the nation now. Okay. All See right. That. Well, you didn't beat Chick Fil A on my poll. My poll was number one. It is the number one place in the nation, but Popeyes was number two, and then it fell just as consumers went. KFC and Bojangles. Hey, how do people follow your journey and learn more about what's new at TJG? Uh, they can visit uh, TJGLogistics.com or visit me on Twitter, Josh Gonza, or at Josh Josh Gonza, and follow me there, man. I have my my link there, but. Let's go have fun too, man. You know, at the end of the day, it's just freight. And I learned that, you know, I learned that a long time ago. Let's have fun while we're doing it. You know, and shippers want to know that too. You're professional having fun. That's where you get that's where you can find me, Dooner. All right, man. Josh, take it easy. It's nice to meet you, sir. You too, brother. Pleasure. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics has been recognized as a top performer by Cranes, Forbes, Inbound Logistics, Transport Topics, and yes, even Freight Waves? They're on our Freight Tech 100 list. Boost your job satisfaction, regain a sense of purpose, and open your career opportunities. One of the fastest growing organizations in the industry. Visit the career section at AITWorldwide.com to learn more and apply today. All right. You know, Josh said go have fun and, and do it out there, but you got to be safe. You got to wear your hard hat, as this video will clearly show you. Let's take a look. This is what can happen on a job site. Look at this guy here. He's not wearing a hat. And he pulled that on his own head. This dude here has no chance. He has no idea this is coming. 
It hit a piece of wood in the road and it smashed it into the back of his head. Ooh. Took it right to the gut. Oh, and he got hit on the back end too. I think these are like reenactments of real industrial accidents too. So like as ridiculous as these look, these are things that have happened before and these are things that clearly can happen. That's why they don't want you wearing Crocs inside the warehouse. Like that was just not, that jump was just not smart. People gotta be on the same page. They need, uh, they need standards. They need a new AP. Freight Tech needs a new API. It's time for it. And I believe it's finally live. We got two great guests to talk about. It's Raj. I hope I get this right. This is Subia, head of product at Uber Freight, and Chirik Modi, CVP Global Industry Strategy at Blue Yonder. Was I close on either? Close. Yeah, you were. Yes. Um, yes. You know, guys, we have, I've covered this maybe about like three times now with, with people from your team, and we brought it on. It sounded sort of like a great idea, but when is it going to happen? And it sounds like this week... It is happening. What are we talking about here? Before we even get into it, which one of you would like to tell us what the SSS is? Do you want to take it away? So Scheduling Happy. Standards Consortium is what it's called, SSC. And what does that essentially mean? It's, it means carrier appointment scheduling. Uh, right now, uh, all the carriers, including Josh, uh, who I uh, very, very uh, nicely uh, heard uh, before this uh, meeting here, uh, whenever he is being scheduled to, uh, to be called upon at a particular warehouse or a plant or somewhere, there's a bunch of people who are making phone calls, a bunch of people who are making text messages or you know, emails or whatnot. That can be automated. And there are processes put in place already to uh, get that automated, but not everyone follows the exact same process. So what Raj follows is different than mine. What I follow is different than yours and, and somebody else's. So the consortium was put together so that all of us, when we say we are going to follow this, we are following the same standards. Well, and Raj is clearly, is clearly growing. I believe Blue Yonder is a new member, right? That's correct. We have about 15 collaborators now. Uh, Blue Yonder is a member. They're one of the first implementers um, of the standards. Um, so it's one network. We have E2Open joining us. We have Oracle. Uh, and then we also announced, uh, I think it's sort of about eight new collaborators who are joining the, the consortium as well. Um, we had about 800 people and organizations kind of you know, go to freightapis.org and register um, expressing interest either in collaborating in deciding what the standards should be or they've expressed interest to kind of consume the standards if they're either a carrier or broker and they need to book an appointment. Interesting. So, Chirik, tell me that it's live this week. That was the big news. So what does that mean, that, that it's live? What can people do now? Well, they can, uh, they can go on freightapis.org and... And they can go and download on GitHub uh, what those standards are. Um, certainly, all of these standards will need to be, uh, you know, followed through with some sort of a system. So TMS, of course, is one way to do that. We are uh, Blue Yonder is, uh, you know, the top uh, top TMS provider in the world. So we have certainly started our process. Uh, there is a commitment made uh, from TMS companies to implement these standards. Uh, as well as brokers and, and others who are following, uh, you know, they have built their own TMS, uh, you know, over the years. 
they will be implementing these uh, over the next uh, six to nine months. So why are TMSs getting in on the ground floor? Why, why does a giant TMS like Blue Yonder want to get involved in something like this? Why do you want to collaborate and share data? These could be some of your competitors out there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so at CSCMP, when we inaugurated this, um, I was sitting right next to Oracle, my closest competitor. Uh, but there is so much opportunity out there uh, that we all need to collaborate on this. So I'll give you another example uh, back in May of uh, 22, uh, we had Uber Freight, Convoy, and LoadSmart come together at Blue Yonder User Conference called ICON in Orlando. And we had all three of them on the same panel discussing this and other topics about freight and digitization in freight market. And what, what, why would you think that the three closest competitors in the freight brokerage market, uh, you know, want to get in on the same panel together? Um, we had dinners together, um, and it was it was very important for me to see that these three folks, uh, if they can come together and work together on, you know, making this such a big deal, um, then I I believe we ought to be working together with our nearest competitors, you know, Oracle and One Network and others, to say that this is something we are going to do together. Well, Raj, would you would you agree with that? And how do users leverage this API now that it's available? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think I think everybody in the industry just to a certain extent compete with each other in some ways. And I think that's one of the reasons as to why standards like these don't exist, because everybody operates within their own silo, they don't reach across the aisle to kind of move this industry forward. Let me also maybe take a step back and demystify exactly what it is we're trying to do. Let's just say I'm trying to organize a dinner for the three of us here, right? And I come to you, Tim, and I ask you, hey, when are you free this week? And you basically respond and say, you have to ask me with a time slot and a day for each day of the week. And only then will you respond back to me with a yes or a no. <laughs> and I go to Chirag and I ask him the same question. Hey, when are you free this week? And he basically says, I'm going to give you a yes or no and all the available time slots for this week if I'm not free. Now, imagine okay, if I'm organizing one dinner, it's easy for the three of us. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to interrupt, but it sounds like a, it's like a Calendly link. It, 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 it's, it's somewhat, it's in some aspects, yes, but Calendly link works because there's a standard calendar, calendar API that's been, that's been kind of adopted by the industry and we don't. Imagine me having to have this conversation with the two of you once a day for the rest of the year. Now multiply that by 5,000 more conversations every day and multiply that by a million more conversations every, every month. That's what we're doing today. Uh, and that's really what we're trying to kind of demystify and then set a standard for. Every TMS or a lot of the adv uh, technologically advanced TMSs have the APIs that exist, but they don't actually have the same standard APIs that exist across the different products that we actually have. So this attempt is to kind of bring a standard so that you kind of you know understand the contract. Okay, this is how I need to talk to a TMS when I'm supposed to you know schedule an appointment. Now setting this standard means that one a TMSs can develop a, a API that actually agrees to the standard. So then then consumers like brokers and carriers can develop once and then talk to all the different TMSs. They know exactly what, what the response is going to be like, and then they can build applications that, you know, that reuses a lot of the same code, et cetera. If they don't have this, this standard, then they'll have to specifically build 
you know, an endpoint for, let's just say, Blue Yonder, an endpoint for uh, Oracle or One Hour, et cetera. And then you multiply that by thousands of scheduling products that are out there. And that's been the problem with this industry. Now, um, like Chirag mentioned earlier in the, in the conversation, we do, you know, thousands of, of, of uh, appointment scheduling a day, right? Each load at least needs two appointments scheduled. And um, one of the issues is that, um, you know, it's a very time consuming thing. You got to pick up the phone or send an email, et cetera, et cetera. We spend about 15 minutes scheduling appointments for just one single load. And you multiply that by the millions of loads that we actually move across the US every year. So it's a huge time sink and all for, you know, not really productive work is, you know, this should have been automated a long time ago. Um, that's one thing that actually we'll, we'll hope to eradicate over the next few years, which is, you know, having to, you having to pick the phone or having to send an email, waiting two hours to kind of get an appointment back. The other piece here is approximately 15 to 20% of all the loads that are scheduled get uh, rebooked. So if you automate this piece, it's not only for the loads that get booked once, you know, it gets the appointment scheduled once, but also for all the rebookings that happen. And then in the future, we can do start doing things like giving the flexibility to carriers. Imagine you're taking moving a load, and then you you were supposed to reach at, reach at 8 a.m. and you unfortunately you know you hit some delays. You're now reaching at 10 a.m. What you do today is pick up your phone, call the broker. The broker calls the shipper. Shipper calls the the facility, and then they basically rebook the appointment, and then the call goes all the way back to the to the carrier. Imagine a world where you can just show all the available appointments and the carrier can just choose, hey, you know what? I was supposed to come in at 8, now I'm coming in at 10 a.m. And there's an available slot there. That's what that's the world we're moving towards. But to get there, we need to have standards like this. That makes so much sense. Now, I, I think my last question on this, and it's from the release, was it was talking about a badging system, and I wasn't 100% familiar with what that is. Why did the SSC introduce a badging system? What is it? What's it do? Yeah, we, we introduced two different batting systems. Um, it's important for us to recognize the amount of effort that, that's taken that uh, for us to kind of get us here. So we're introducing two badges. One is the innovator badge. This is where this is, these are the folks that you know came together. This is Uber Freight, Convoy, JB Hunt, uh, Blue Yonder, Oracle. Uh, we came together and we decided on the standards that we're going to use um, as the first version. Um, and implemented in, in V1. Um, the second badge that we are we are pushing out is called the first adopters badge. Um, this is where the TMSs who promise to um, use these standards in their APIs um, by mid-year 2024, who committed to it, um, they get this badge. So the, the shippers who are using, who are getting buying TMSs or who are engaging with TMSs, um, they should understand that these are tech-forward thinking TMSs so that, um, you know, uh, the shippers can actually benefit from engaging with that, that specific company or product over the long duration. Um, it's important that they don't get into the TMS with the, with the TMS just to solve problems of the today, but also to kind of uh, future-proof their, um, their solutions. It sounds awesome. You guys have explained this really well. Uh, I bet everyone's really excited to go try it out or at least check out the website. Where do I send them to? It's freightapis.com. 
FreightAPIs.com. I'm going to go check it out after the show. You all check it out after the show. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And um, as someone who's had a book, A Lot of Freight, I love the sound of what you guys are saying because I have heard all these headaches. So, like, a Calendly-type standard for freight appointments is all good in my book. I love it, guys. Thank you so much. Good way to say it. Yeah, that's a very good way to say it. Thank you. (laughs) Take care, guys. Um, What do we got now? All right, let's uh, rate the strap work as we take a little trip to Orlando. Yo. This is crazy. You came up with this. I would assume. Is it a fan? It's a microwave on the front. (laughs) A microwave. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. The cops are confused. Look at them there. They're rating it right there on their ticket. I wish I could actually see what the write-up was for. People were taking, like, there were videos of this. There's about, like, ten videos of this online. But people had this, like, at night still, this car was just sitting on the side of the road. People were, like, TikTokers were walking by and Instagrammers taking videos next to it. It's famous now. It's a famous uh, piece of junk. Doesn't kill head of commercialization over at Wobby. Come on in, man. How you doing? Fellow Chattanoogan. <laughs> What's happening, man? Living the dream, my friend. When you first sat out there, I thought you were I thought you were Todd in, in the back room for a second. I got that summer haircut you going got the summer on. Haircut. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you look good. You are good. How you feeling today? Yeah, great, great. I mean, just trucking. It's been fun to listen about uh, what I would call bid season and going into Q4 and all that fun stuff and trucking. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a rough time. We got to fight through some some rough waters here, but. A lot of things are happening, and you you know we just heard about the scheduling consulting consortium, which is like yeah. a Calendly link for booking freight finally. And they explained it so well. They're like, well, the reason there isn't anything like that is nobody's on the same API. Everybody's using different sources. You guys are very familiar with data. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and I mean, one of the largest trucking companies here based in Chattanooga was the first asset-based trucking company to have freight APIs in the industry. Yeah. Um, we go back three years ago. And so spot on with the interview that you had that everybody's uh, singing from a different hymnal, uh, per se. So there's a, a great, great need. And for autonomous trucking. I mean, so we think about APIs to the truck sure. and telematics and you need that with uh no human intervention uh if possible so that's great well yeah you may notice the company that was on before us uber freight they started this uh scheduling consulting consortium with a with a few different people but there was recently a headline as well and one of the reasons i invited you on is wabi has struck a deal with uber freight as well yes, tell yes, us about yes. it so we've been very busy uh since last time i saw you i believe raquel was here what may june yeah it was like our yeah. autonomous truck summit and um I'm not going to say it was like still theory at the time. There's still a lot of testing. You guys yes. were like, there's things going on. We can't necessarily say yet, but now we can. Yes. So I think it was shortly after that that we had our first uh, on-road public mile. Uh, so then over the summer, we were really busy preparing for commercialization for our first commercial pilot load, which was in September. And then the big announcement with Uber Freight that you mentioned uh, just happened over the last couple of weeks. And then Raquel was actually the keynote speaker at their Deliver conference with uh, Leo Ron, their CEO. So so uh, very busy, but for us, I mean, it's it's really important because you think about Uber Freight. I mean, they have over $18 billion worth of freight That's under management. It's just huge, but they're also, I mean, so complex. I mean, they are the leader in really the digital marketplace. They sit directly in between supply and demand, and they saw us as really that AI-first solution of autonomous trucks. So bringing both organizations together with a 10-year agreement that guarantees billions of miles is pretty exciting. So you are already moving loads within that network? 
Correct. How many loads have you guys done? Yeah, so we're um, moving loads weekly yeah. with actually one of the largest CPG, CPG brands uh, in the world. And so in that Dallas to Houston corridor, and really we see that as just such a great um, opportunity for demonstration of product and make sure that we're validating that final kind of 1% of the, the safety and understanding uh, those cases. So what kind of trucks are these on? Because Wabi, as I understand, you've done a lot of virtual testing. It's sort of the Wabi virtual driver system. And you also make the tech that goes on the truck, but not the truck itself. Not the truck itself. So, I mean, as we are a true kind of SaaS model, think of that. We're not building out these huge transport operations. I think we've learned from the first generation of developers that uh, trucking's difficult. So we're going to focus on the technology, what we're good at. So the first generation for our R&D fleet have been Peterbilt's, you know, made by Packar. But we make it known that we are OEM agnostic. I mean, that's the beauty of just our uh, approach of AI first and our autonomy stack that it's very light and nimble and we've had OEM production in mind since day one. So let me ask you something. One of the things in that article was the term drivers as a service robotics. What does that mean? Yes. So a couple of things to, to answer that. I mean, like yourself, Dooner, you've spent a lot of time with truck drivers. You kind of hear the pain points and opportunities. I mean, what? What other industry do we talk about a 70-hour clock that is often 80 to 100 hours a week? And, I mean, these guys and, and women are sacrificing so much. So we've really listened to drivers. We've listened to fleet executives about the KPIs, the utilization, the slim margins. And ultimately, like, this driver as a service is us listening to the industry and then putting a bundle solution that's really a seamless integration to a fleet. Because... It's very complex. We've got to have transfer hubs and infrastructure, and most importantly with the Uber Freight Partnership, it's real-time digital load matching, the freight to go with the digital technology in the truck. So how does it work? How does someone like book a load on a Wabi autonomous truck via Uber Freight? Yeah, so there's a lot to, to work through that. So we do not have that solution ready today. So I'm yeah. going to go ahead and put that out there. But again, it goes back to freight APIs. And so when you think about that over-the-road trucking segment, it's, you know, give or take four or $500 billion. And it's very messy. And so when we partner with Uber Freight, we're able to look at that network and aggregate capacity and supply in a very consistent manner. And so what we see in the future and what we believe is like freight APIs, that that network aggregation is going to be seamless in that communication to Wabi driver in the truck. So what happens when the load is, I assume these probably still have safety drivers, right? But mm -hmm. you kind of want to run this in a near sort of field simulation in the sense that like when it gets places, what's happening is what would happen if there sure. wasn't a driver. So how does that work? How do you, how do you move freight when there isn't a driver? Yeah, so um, when you think about the first generation of AV developers uh, over the past really five to 10 years, these were large engineering teams, We're talking thousands of people, and it just hit a ceiling. And so it needed something like generative AI. Think about ChatGPT. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're able to put that into simulation, and that is really what is teaching the truck to drive. I mean, it's really the first autonomy stack to do that. And so when we think, again, about telematics and APIs and the freight marketplace, I mean, that's why we at Wabi, we're not trying to be the expert in freight. Uh, we know it's complex and it's big, and that's why we needed a partner like Uber Freight to really guide us and navigate us through that. You know, I'm glad you mentioned generative AI. I've been using Dolly 3. Bing has put that out. I've, it's very impressive, some of the work. Here's an image. Uh, you guys have those generative AI images? 
Yeah, here we go. Oh, like this prompt go. right here, I was like, truck driver who looks badass with a pair of Crocs on, Adidas tracksuit, standing in front yes. of the loves. It nailed it, didn't that it? That is your clone. Yes, that, that is your clone. I love it. That's that's my weekend outfit. Do we got another one? Here, see, but okay, but this okay. one is when it took things a little bit too literally. Yes. And that's my question about General Divide. Because I asked it here, I said a Merce container ship sailing in a giant toilet bowl. And it made that, but it made the Merce like literally in the toilet bowl and the toilet yes. bowl was doing the sailing. And I was in my head, I was like, it should be a gigantic toilet bowl. Oh, wow. How do you keep the computer from not being like, it's like a very literal genie sometimes. Yes. Yeah. How do you, and in terms of this, we're talking about 8,000 pound vehicle. How do you make sure it doesn't put the Merce ship in a toilet bowl? Yes. So I think it's, <laughs> let me preface this, <laughs> that, you know, Raquel, who you met, I mean, she is considered one of the leaders in AI. I mean, yeah. Time Magazine just named her one of the leaders. It was her face right next to Elon Musk. So there's a lot of credibility there. She's been doing this for over 25 years. And so our team in Toronto is really that that group of leadership and, and scientists that's developing this next generation of technology. So it's taking all these real world inputs from LiDAR and camera, uh, cloning the real world, just like you were cloned, yeah. <laughs> um, and creating these uh, scenarios, whether that's accidents or if that's debris on the road, but really solving for 99% uh, of the scenarios that we can see on the road. And then for on-road testing, which you know is very expensive and the billions of dollars this industry has spent on, we only have to validate the 1% mm. on-road, which allows us to be much more efficient. Now, let me ask you a question. It, it, look, what is the shipper interest? Is it, is it a cost thing? Is my rate per mile lower? Do they think this is a safety thing? Do they think it's just be like, look, this tech is taking off. We need to have a foot in it. What is the shipper reasoning behind their interest in wanting to use a Wabi truck or any AV truck for that matter? Yeah, great question. And I mean, we know this total addressable market. It's about 900 billion, over a trillion dollars worth of freight in this big country. Market. Yes. And there are just huge costs. I mean, for large enterprise shippers, you see seven to 10 percent of their annual revenues are represented in supply chain costs. Well, for drivers, we'll think of some of the largest retailers uh, in the world in private fleets, they're now having to pay in excess of $150,000 a year. Uh, if you look at the LTL segment, it's over $225,000 a year. That's not going to be sustainable. And I think it speaks to the challenges uh, of really recruiting this next generation of, of um, drivers. So we think autonomous trucking plays a really critical role in uh, not only just supplying capacity for today, but as demand grows, is also going to create new jo driver jobs, too. Speaking of drivers, you have your, what is it, the Million Mile Driver Advisory Board. How is yes. that going and how is that informing the progress of Wabi? It is going really well. I mean, we're in our, uh, we just finished up our third quarter report. We're going to have our final one in November. Dr. Dave Carell with MIT, he's facilitated this. And we've had seven fleets from small, midsize, and kind of the largest that you can imagine. And so we brought them into San Francisco. We've had several virtual meetings and we've let them kind of poke holes and ask the hard questions, but one of the things that we really valued from this group of just phenomenal drivers was they shared a uh, day in the life of a driver yeah. and all the things that they touch, all the things that they're challenged with, whether it's appointment, scheduling, driver's well, looking for parking, finding a place to sleep. I mean, all the things that I think probably don't hit the normal person's radar. Probably not. Um, and understanding that if you've got a 14-hour day or an 11-hour clock, they're only getting six and a half or seven hours of utilization that day. 
And so, I mean, some great findings. And then poking holes through our technology of lane changes and getting on ramp. And so it's just been phenomenal to kind of share that collaboration this year. Well, really cool. Really happy for you guys getting this on the road. I know that you are a volunteer, University yes. of Tennessee guy. Tennessee Vol. Last night at my kid's school, they had a nice performance that I think you might enjoy. Okay. Roll the tape. There we go. Yeah, here yes. we are. Now we're home. Yeah. I'm from, from Maryland. I love the balls. Yeah. I'm, I'm an advisor over there now. So oh, I, I am Team there. UT. Yeah. Congrats. UT Knoxville. I'm actually yes. going to University of Tennessee Chattanooga tomorrow. We're doing a segment with the football team. I got to do Knoxville next. Chattanooga yeah. With the team over at uh, Taman. You think they can still win the national championship, though? The Florida loss was rough, but I was looking at the schedule. We still got Georgia. We got Alabama. We got Kentucky. Oof. And Missouri, you can, we can fight our way in. It's always a tough one, but last year, I think, was such a great foundation for the Vols. Uh, my wife is from the University of Central Florida, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, they've had a better probably last 10 or 15 years, but finally, we're back on top in the household and uh, ready to see the Vols <laughs> maybe not win a national championship, maybe but not. at least uh, have a, a strong bowl appearance. Well, GBO, I got a couple more videos for us before I let you go. We got a couple okay. of minutes here. Let's get a good news, bad news. So I want to show you something pretty cool, right? Actually, okay. right, uh, not that far from us in okay. Georgia. I'll show you the tape in a second. There's this video that we put out. We tweeted this video out last month. Do you have the Georgia semi video? Yeah, roll this one right here. So this video, this got like 12 million views on okay. our Twitter page. Everyone was freaking out. They're like, how can Georgia buy their own semi? They got the cop city now. They're driving around semis, pulling people over. Everybody was freaking out about this thing. Well, okay. I have found out the story behind why they made this. And in fact, ah. they're not even planning to pull drivers over with this truck. Okay. <laughs> Instead, what's inside there, it's, it's built like an arcade inside there, and there's simulators. Wow. So they want to drive to high schools and different locations and show the motoring public yeah. some of what can happen when someone's driving a semi-truck. So the accidents they could get into, how they can't see your car, yes. to new drivers, how they can't see pedestrians. Okay. Well, that's phenomenal. Not the dystopian police state that we uh, that we thought it would be. Yes, yes, that uh, that's good news. That's great. That is great news. Would you? Would you, I would like to step in the simulator. Oh, absolutely. Do you think one day there'll be like autonomous trucks with simulators in them driving around to show the public? Well, I know we've got great simulators at U.S. Express down in Tunnel Hill, Georgia. All the new drivers that come in are going through three or four different simulators there. Did you uh, Did you get the emergency alert on Wednesday? At they said 220, everybody, yes. right? Yes. It, they said 220, but it went off at 218. I think the person who was just sitting there was like, I can't wait any longer. Yeah. Well, there were some repercussions that happened out of this. Check this out right here. Dexterra says the U.S. emergency alert reportedly caused several Amish people to be shunned by exposing them for owning phones. Nobody thought about uh. the, the, yeah, the repercussions. So what up, everybody? And you're sitting there, and you're, huh. you got it in your habit. or I don't know what, ex- yes. what you know, the clothes or the robes or whatever you're wearing. It goes off and you get shunned by the village, which is right. Yeah. That means nobody will eat with you or hang out with you. That's bad news. That's bad news. I know it scared me. I didn't know what was going on, even though I'd seen it all over the news, you know, leading up to that. <laughs> Did it scare you? I was prepared for it. I know some people were like, we're freaking out about it. I got one last funny video. play. look at this guy here. He's the one who sells the phones to these guys. Okay. Guess what? Just got a couple of my Amish buddies shunned today by the Amish church. He's like the That's right. guy. This oh. right here. You think in prison Over the phones years, there's too, been quite a few been. Amish men oh, that reached out yeah, and you're phones. So you're smuggled info. Yeah. I'll do everything I can to try to get them a phone. Not always can I do so, but in some circumstances, I have been able to get them a phone. Now, three of them <laughs> replied back to me today and said, hey, 
I'm gonna have to lay low for a while. I just got shot. Uh, I said, how'd that oh. happen? We can drop it. We can drop it. That's how it happened. He had that up. So, hey, how do people go find out more about Wabi? Yeah, you can uh, actually, at the American Trucking Association, the big uh, conference coming up in October, we're going to have a team there. We'll be at the Freightways event. Sure, and that's free. Look at us up online or uh, ping me on LinkedIn. November 7th, you can find me on Twitter at Timothy Duner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find the show at FW What the Truck. Look up What the Truck wherever you get audio podcasts. And if you want video, go to Freightways YouTube channel and find the What the Truck playlist. Take care. Have a great weekend. Don't be a stranger. This is Dustin. Good to see you.